Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett, and this is a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church, and I'd love to invite you to come and worship with us on Sunday. We have a 9 o'clock service, and we have a 1030 service, and we'd love to have you come and be part of the Hickory Ridge family. Well, today I want to talk to you about the subject of no small dreams, right? No small dreams. And uh, here's a question that we want to begin with, okay? Do I expect too little of myself, too much of others, and next to nothing from God? Do I expect too much of myself, too much of others, too little of myself, too much of others, and nothing from God? You know, a sign was posted at a cafeteria in front of the uh, bowl of apples that said, take only one apple, God is watching. At the end of the line, the same sign was posted, but somebody replaced it with a new sign that read, take as many cookies as you want. God's watching the apples. Uh, So many times we miss the big dreams in our lives because we think God's watching something else. You know, God is interested in our lives. He is intimately involved in every detail of our lives. In Psalm 62, it says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and he is my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Now, if you're never going to be shaken, you can have these big, audacious dreams and they can be fulfilled. Somebody wrote about why we don't experience big dreams in our lives. Now, so many people go through life kind of with this hum-ho life and life just kind of happens for them. And so there's three reasons that this author put together as to why we fail to experience the big dreams in our lives. Uh, Number one is you let things just happen to you. In other words, you're just drifting through life. Successful people, they're not called movers and shakers by waiting for things to happen to them. They're called movers and shakers because they're proactive. They strive for greatness. Leonardo da Vinci observed this very truth in his lifetime. He said, it had long since come to my attention that people of accomplishment rarely sit back and let things happen to them. They went out and happened to make things happen. You know, many people have their eyes on a specific goal, and they tend to move forward, and they're waiting for opportunity to come. Uh, Having a dream is important, but you can't leave it there. You don't have to be defined as an either a dreamer or a doer. It takes both, both qualities to achieve success. You know, the negative strategy of waiting for things to happen to you is is also true by allowing others to determine your choices. For instance, by allowing a no from a supervisor or a prospect to derail your dreams, uh, you're letting things happen to you instead of paving your own way. So we fail sometimes to experience big dreams in our lives because you just let other things happen. Just let life happen. You don't really do anything about it. Number two, I think we miss big dreams in our lives because we're really afraid of failure. You know, some of the greatest success stories from people have come from monumental failures. I was thinking about writing a book, and and I was going to title the book, 99 Things Not to Do When You Start a Church, right? Because I discovered whole ways of not doing things when starting a church. When we think about people that have these monumental failures— What separates them from the pack was their refusal to accept that failure. Legend has it that when asked about how it felt to fail over and over again, inventing the light bulb, Thomas Edison conceded that he hadn't failed, but he had figured out a multitude of ways that wouldn't work. You see, perspective and failure is the first step in achieving your dreams. 
It's essential to understand that failure is an opportunity to learn what works and what doesn't work. Failure is never the end goal. Push past that failure. That's where you find success. As Thomas Edison put it, many of life's failures are people who do not realize just how close they were to success when they gave up. The third reason why many people never accomplish the dreams in their lives is because number one is you kind of let things just happen to them. And number two, uh, they're afraid of failure. But number three is that we aim at nothing. You see, success is driven by a vision, a mission, and a dream. If you don't have one of these things, it's nearly impossible for you to fall into opportunity and success. If you aren't focused on what God wants you to do, how will you ever know when you've got to it? One of Zig Ziglar's philosophies in business was centered on the idea is if you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every single time. Your odds may be stacked against you, but that small fraction of possibility is massive compared to that 0% chance that you have when you don't get out there and try. Your apathy toward a goal is evidence that you either don't care to succeed or that you have chosen the wrong goal. Finding something that you are truly passionate about and you go for broke. You go after it with all the gusto you can muster. Remember, a shot in the dark is better than shooting for nothing. We are told in the book of Acts that the church was founded and the Holy Spirit fell upon that church. In Acts chapter 1, it says that they received power when the Spirit came upon their lives and they went about telling about Christ in the city of Jerusalem, in all of the counties of Judea and Samaria, and even to the ends of the world. Well, you say, well, how do we go about fulfilling these dreams that we have, these dreams that God has placed upon us? Well, when you think about big dreams, and I'm talking about from a Christian perspective, it begins by you being a new person. Acts 1.8 says, New life entered them when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon them. You become a new person. That Spirit comes upon you. But there's also a new purpose. The purpose now is to tell everybody about Christ. It's a purpose that was bigger than them. It's a new purpose driving out of a new person. And then we learn, thirdly, there was new power given to them. That is the power of the Holy Spirit had fallen upon them. So they became a new person. They were driven with a new purpose and they had new power. But what is God's big dream for my life? Well, number one is he wants you to experience complete salvation. And that complete salvation begins with understanding the resurrection. In Colossians chapter two, it says that you were dead in your sins But God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us of all of our sins. Listen, when you were born again, all of your sins were forgiven. All made possible because of the resurrection of Christ. Just as Jesus rose again from the dead, we were dead in our trespasses and our sins. But when Jesus revealed himself to us, he made us alive in Christ Jesus. This happened by the full forgiveness of our sins. Secondly, we experienced purification. We were made pure. Ephesians 1 says, 
He chose us before the creation of the world. And that choice that he made was that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. Now, I want you to know that God who saved you is also the God who purified you, made you holy, made you blameless in his sight. So don't walk around feeling guilty. Don't walk around feeling defeated because in the eyes of Christ, you are holy, you are blameless. Now, there's something else that happened at our point of salvation. A transformation took place. Now, if anyone belongs to Christ, he is a new creation. Those old things are gone. Everything is made new. Now, I want to put an emphasis on that. Everything is being made new. Not just parts of me has been made new. Everything has been made new. I am completely transformed. Now, let me illustrate it this way. You can take 10 gallons of gasoline and release a tremendous amount of power and energy by just dropping a lighted match into that 10 gallons of gasoline. It's going to be a a dramatic one-time impact. I mean, that thing's going to blow up. There's another way that you can release that energy in gasoline. You can take that 10 gallons and put that into my Toyota Sienna hybrid minivan. And as you put that 10 gallons in there, you're going to get 36 miles to the gallon. Uh, This high-tech engine will use that 10 gallons of gasoline to take me 360 miles or more. Now, the explosion may be spectacular, but it's not sustained. A controlled burn has staying power. Now, you don't want to be a a flash in the pan, right? Uh, You want to make a difference in this world over time. You want to last for the long haul. Uh, You don't want to just have the Holy Spirit come upon you and and, uh, and have this big explosion, and everybody sees it and, 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 and impacts everybody for a moment. Now, you want to be long-term in this transformation power that God has given us. So in order for that to happen, every part of us must be transformed to become like Christ. There's a fourth thing that happens in our complete salvation. We experience that resurrection of Christ. We're made pure. We're transformed. But number four, we're also dedicated. We're dedicated to the cause of Christ. Paul put it this way to to young Timothy. He said, those who make themselves clean from all evil things, they're going to be used. And Paul makes it very clear. They are used for a very special purpose. Why? Because they're dedicated and they're useful to the master, ready to be used for every good deed. You know the reason that you change your oil? is because the oil lubricates the engine, but when the oil gets dirty and it begins to break down, it will lose its efficiency. A dirty engine does not run effectively or efficiently, neither does a dirty Christian. Did you know that the United States is the fourth largest missionary field in the world? We no longer send out the most missionaries. South Korea sends out more missionaries out than we do, in fact. In fact, they're actually sending missionaries here to the United States because they believe that we are a heathen nation. You know, we think that we have large churches here in the United States because I think one of the largest churches in the United States boasts a a weekly attendance of between 50 and 60,000 people. Did you know in in Korea and South Korea, there's a church that has over 1 million people that attend every Sunday? 
It's in multiple locations, but a million people attend uh, this mega church in South Korea. And when you think about this, uh, this mega church is in a city of 10 million people. So this church is reaching 10% of its population. I don't know if there's any church in America that's reaching 10% of that population. It's a large church, and it's a powerful church. It is the world's second largest uh, church reaching all these people. Now, if you think about this, what's the difference between them and us? The difference is, in South Korea, the first thing they do when they start a church, right? they don't build a gymnasium, uh, they don't build a large entertainment worship center. Uh, the first thing they build is a prayer tower. It's on the highest elevation of the church. Every day at 5 a.m., people gather at this prayer tower before they go to work. You drive by a church in South Korea, and it looks like most churches on Sunday morning do here in the United States. The parking lot is full at 5 a.m. They're gathering to pray every workday. And they pray not only for their church and not only for purity, but they also pray for their missionaries that are going out and sharing the gospel. This is another reason why these churches are so powerful. Uh, not only do they place a very strong emphasis on prayer, not only do they get up every day at 5 a.m. and gather to pray, but number three, they have a high commitment as a church to reach the lost. They're not reaching the saved. Yeah, I look at the average church in America, and this is no, it's not necessarily a slam against them, but uh, so few churches are growing, and, and the few churches that are growing in the United States are primarily growing by transfer growth, right? People come to our church because we have a we have a better worship team, we have a better youth program, uh, we have a better preacher, uh, we have uh, we have more entertainments. We're better at doing uh, the Christian thing, and we're attracting Christians, right? But in Seoul, Korea, they say, "Well, I'm interested in reaching those who are already reached. We have a high commitment on reaching the lost." So, first of all, if you want to experience God's dream in your life. You got to experience that complete salvation. Number two, you've got to be completely fortified. That is, you've got to be protected from the enemy. In Psalm 91, verse number two, it says that God is my refuge and my fortress. In him I will trust. You always get around with our congregation. I says, when you join Hickory Ridge Community Church, it's like joining the mafia, right? Uh, the only way we can get out is by dying, and I, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but you know, when you join the mafia, there's only one way out, that is death. Uh, really, when you think about joining the family of God, there's only one way out of the family of God, that is to be graduating up to heaven. When you think about our salvation, and you think about being protected by the Lord, I want you to know that He is an ever-present help in our time of need. Uh, there's some inspiration comes uh, when you know that you're protected. In 1 Thessalonians 1.3, Paul reminds them that we are to produce faith, we're to work and labor and love, we're to endure, and we're inspired by the hope that God places us in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is your inspiration today? You see, if we're wrongly inspired, then we won't have the ability to be protected by God. Listen, so many people are trusting everything in this world today. We trust our portfolio. We trust our health. <laughs> we trust our government. 
We trust our work. We trust our ingenuity. We trust our intellect. Listen, there's only one thing that you can really trust. That is to trust the Lord. Be inspired by the fact that He is going to be with you every step of the way. Listen, when you know that you're protected by the Lord, you can attempt these audacious goals because He is with you. Now, there's something else that we must realize when it comes to this matter of fulfilling the dreams that God has for our lives. It's a matter of intervention. In Psalm 91, it says, He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep you in all his ways. Did you know when you're following God's plan for your life, when you're following God's purpose in your life, that God sends his angels to protect us? You know, we've got to seek God's face in order to tap into that protection, in order to tap into that intervention. Billy Graham one time said, heaven is full of answers to prayers for which no one ever bothered to ask. Have faith in God and and have faith in the dreams that He's placed upon your heart. Let God bring that dream to completion. God's answer is ready. It's just waiting for our personal and our persistent request. Oh, there's something else that you need, and you need that determination, right? And I'm not talking about self-determination, right? I'm talking about the determination that God places within us. You know, at the end of his life, David brought in Solomon, and he said, you must realize that the Lord has chosen you to build this holy city, this temple. Now do it. And David says to his son Solomon, do it with determination, right? Do it with all gusto. David knew that God had not called them to build that temple, but God had called them to raise the money to build it, and God called them to put the plans together, and David kind of set everything in order so that when Solomon's son took over the throne, he was ready to build that temple. And David challenges him, be filled with determination. Do whatever you do heartily as unto the Lord. You know, one girl, a young girl one time was was with her her pastor and and, uh, was trying to get some good advice from her pastor. And she says, no, I can't stick it out any longer. I'm the only Christian where I go to work. I get nothing but taunts and snares. It is more than I can possibly stand. I'm going to resign. Will you tell me, asked the pastor, where are lights placed? What? What does that have to do with it? The young Christian woman asked, rather bluntly. Never mind, the minister replied. Answer the question. Where are lights placed? Well, I suppose in dark places, she replied. Yes, and that is why you have been put in that job where there is such spiritual darkness and where there is no other Christian to shine for the Lord. That young Christian woman realized for the first time that she was given the opportunity that was hers. She felt she could not fail by God allowing her light to go out. So she went back to the factory, renewed with determination to let her light shine in that dark corner. You know what? Before long... She was the means of leading nine other young ladies to the light. You know, let that light shine. Be determined to let it shine, no matter how dark it gets. Realize that God has placed you there strategically so that you can let that light shine. Well, there's something else that you got to understand if you want God's dreams to be fulfilled in your life. Number one, you must experience complete salvation. Number two, you must experience that fortification, that protection from the Lord. 
Number three, you must be stable. You must experience a life of stability. When I think about being a person who is stable, you know, we're told in James chapter one that if we lack wisdom, right, we should ask God. And God's going to give it to us generously, and He's going to give it to us without finding fault. It's going to be given to us. He gives it to us liberally. But we're also told that when we ask, we must believe and not doubt. That means we must be steady. We must be steadfast because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person shall not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Or has it ever occurred to you that maybe the reason that you're not fulfilling your dreams is because you're not stable? God can't trust you with the fulfillment of that dream. Why don't you ask God to give you wisdom? And in that process says, Lord, not only make me wise, but make me steady. Make me steadfast. I know that the storms of life are going to come my way, but I want to be focused on you. Well, there's something else when it comes to this matter of stabilization. It's not just waiting out the storm. It's being productive in the midst of the storm. I'm going to read a portion of scripture from 2 Peter. Uh, We're going to look at verses 3 and then verses 5 through 10. Peter says that his divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything that we need to live a godly life. And then he says, with this in view, remember that God's going to give us everything that we need to live a godly life, make every effort to respond to God's promises. When you think about the promises God has given us, it takes some faith to be ready to receive these promises. And so he says, supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, says the New Living Translation. In other words, keep doing the right thing. And when you keep doing the right thing with excellence, moral excellence, then you gain knowledge. And then knowledge, you gain self-control. And then you get this self-control, you get patience and the ability to endure. And then patience gives us that godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Peter says this, but those who fail to develop in this way, they're (laughs) short-sighted. They're blind. Forgetting what they have been cleansed from, that old sinful life. So, He gives us this strong challenge. Dear brothers and sisters, he says, work hard to prove that you really are among those that God has called and that God has chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. In other words, keep doing what you know you got to do. When the pressure comes, keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Listen, so many people are going to be blessed on Tuesday, but they quit on Monday. Keep on keeping on. That is the secret sauce to give you victory every single time. But there's one other thing that you've got to have in order to have a life of stability. You need instruction. Second Timothy 3 says, all scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for giving instruction in the right thing. Now, as I think about that teaching, The Word of God teaches us truth. When I think about rebuking, it corrects us of our errors. It corrects us of our faults. And it also gives us instruction 
for right living. And the benefit is, is that we live with peace of mind. You know, Duke University did a study talking about peace of mind and talking about factors that contributed to this great emotional and mental stability. Here they are real quick. Number one, the absence of suspicion. Number two, not living in the past. Number three, not wasting time or energy fighting things that cannot be changed. Number four, forcing yourself to stay involved with the living world. You're resisting that temptation to withdraw and, and, uh, and to become a recluse uh, during periods of stress. Number five, refuse to indulge in self-pity. Life's going to get hard. Life is going to give you a raw deal, except the fact that nobody gets through life without some sorrow and some misfortune. Number six, cultivate that old-fashioned uh, virtues, love and humor and, and compassion and loyalty. And then number seven, find something bigger than yourself to believe in. Self-centered people score the lowest of any test on measuring happiness. Well, I hope this has helped you today. I want you to know that God does have a big dream for your life, and He wants to see it fulfilled. This dream is bigger than you. This dream is beyond you. This dream will cause you to give sacrificially. This dream is biblically based. This dream meets the needs of others, and it brings glory to God. Well, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.